Okay, welcome everyone to this episode of the Naked Guru Experience. These are conversations on psychology, spirituality, and theogens and consciousness. Today's guest is Roxana Brostek. Uh, Roxana is a woman's confidence coach. She loves to help women and get the, get the man that they most desire by becoming irresistible to all of her desires. Did I pronounce <laughs> your name right there? or Almost, almost. Brostek. Brostek, yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, close enough. So Roxana, I've been really excited to uh, have this conversation with you. I came across your stuff, your work through social media. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's two reasons why I wanted to invite you on to the podcast. And, you know, number one is because I find it fascinating what you do. Uh, I find it quite odd and, 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 and kind of controversial. And I like that. Um, so, and, and we'll get to, we'll get to what it is you're exactly right about and do soon. And this, the second reason was, is I have noticed with the podcast, I've had a lot of male speakers and not enough female voices uh, on the, on the podcast. And so I was really making an effort now to just find some more, you know, females talking about psychology, talking about interpersonal relationships, talking about life. And I, and I was really inspired by your writing. So I, I felt it's going to be a good, uh, a good back and forth. So I just wonder if you could introduce yourself a little bit and, and just tell everybody what it is you actually do. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a woman's coach. I've, I've started coaching this year. Like until then I was, I was doing more like healing and readings and kind of more spiritual stuff. And lately I've become more like hands-on and more pragmatic almost in, in the way that I, that I help, help people. I help very often, most of my clients are like empaths. So I basically what I help them, I help them to embrace more of their masculine energy to become whole and the thing is we get the money most desire like that's that's the thing that i promoted as but really it's all about becoming whole and and becoming more of yourself as a woman and become, becoming more empowered so that you actually don't need a man so by the end of the program a lot of the women will realize that actually it's not about the man anyway it's about themselves but in order to kind of bring them in you know, <laughs> this is, this is what I have to advertise it as. <laughs> you use that as the bait. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit, because I know I've been in that situation. I was there maybe two, one or two years ago when I was really, really almost obsessed about the guy. And I would have done anything to get him. I just, I need him in my life. And if somebody came along and offered that to me, I'd be like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> and you know it will it will work it will work because when she goes through the process the process is you know she it, connection to self connection to other connection to the divine so when you embrace all of that you become you become irresistible to what you want you you are worthy of of what you want so that's it that's awesome so really the inspiration like a lot of these things you know this podcast was inspired by my personal journey through kind of addiction and you, the use of entheogens for healing addiction. So with mm -hmm. you, it seems that there's a personal story behind it as well. And mm -hmm. so what, what was all that about? I mean, what were you going through emotionally there? I mean, before you started all this, before you started to be uh, the helper in all of this, you were the victim of it too, right? So what was yeah. going on there? What exactly happened? So I was helplessly attracted, passionately attracted to a man. And yeah, he, he wanted me to, 
but I felt so undeserving of him because I just thought he's he's the bee's knees, he's the shit, he's he's God, right? And <laughs> and I just I just felt so unworthy. And you know, it's not that the man made me unworthy; it's like he illuminated all of those things that were already in me. He illuminated all the ways that I feel unworthy, that I feel not deserving of what I want. And so many of us are conditioned in that way. We, we don't believe we can have what we want. That, you know, it goes even back to the childhood when, when parents say, oh, no, you can't have this. And, and the child says, I want this. No, you can't have this. You can't have this. We don't have money. We don't have this or whatever. You can't have this. And then we internalize this like, oh, I want it, but I can't have it. So then we don't even ask. We don't even, and especially as women, this is so um, prevalent in women. Women don't ask for what they want. And so what... I'm, and what do they want? <laughs> <laughs> well, the women that I work with, they want, they want the man. They mm. want the man they're really passionately attracted to because he is her greatest mirror. He is her healer. So when, when that passion is there, usually, you know, it's labeled as a narcissistic, blah, 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 toxic connection, unhealthy, blah, blah, blah. And actually it's not. It's, it's an opportunity for healing. So for me, I go deeply into that and I heal. And through that, I become whole. I become, um, I, yeah, I embrace my deservingness and my worth. Because if I, if I say no to that and if I judge it and if I reject it, say, oh, he's a narcissist, he's a fuckboy, he's no good, blah, 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 fuck him, then I'm rejecting a part of myself and I'm missing an opportunity to, to heal. I mean, it's, it's really like it's barrier breaking because the normal, the normal consensus that we have in society is that if he's a narcissist, if he's an egotistical prick, don't go near him, you know, stay away from that kind of man. You want to find a good man. And what you're kind of, what I'm yeah. hearing, what I'm hearing is you're encouraging to go towards that kind of man for, for, yeah. for growth. It's a little bit like Carl Jung facing the shadow. It's like, go into your shit and you'll come out better for it. It's the only way. It's the only <laughs> way. It's the only way. How? Yeah. The thing is, yeah, so women, women, want, we, women want the bad boy. We want to fuck the bad boy, right? We want to be with the, with the nice guy, with the good guy who will protect and hold us, but we want to fuck the bad boy. <laughs> And, you know, that's another thing that I enjoy about your writings is you really don't hold anything back. You know, mm. there's, it's, it's not soft. It's not always pretty what, what, you, what, you, what you write. It's very kind of blunt and full on. And you have written about some real controversial, even more controversial topics. Oh, which, really? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's Normal what I mean. to me. Um, with, with particular reference to married men, you know, like what happens right. when you're when you're kind of attracted to married men and what's that kind of, what's going on there? I mean, could you highlight a little bit more about what you're talking about when you, when you when married, married men? Did I write this? Yeah. Mm. Like how you can be attracted, that you attract married men sometimes, like, and women can attract married men. It's, uh, I don't remember saying that. <laughs> okay. Well, so tell me about it. Explain to me what I, what, cause I don't remember really. Well, uh, you know, what, what I read, what I found was interesting was um, you were talking about how s you, women can attract non-available men 
into non available. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, but that's by that I mean married. I guess that's what non available oh, is. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's like attracting those non available men into your life and and what's going on there and how you're dealing with it. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if you could speak to that a little bit. Okay, so okay, so by non available, I meant more emotionally distant or mm. yeah, just not wanting to give her the relationship. But you know, it could be it could be also married. Yeah, it could be any any kind of scenario where he where he's not available for what she wants. So what that will reflect is her own inavailability or her, yeah, it's again, it's her um, disbelief that she can have what she wants. So, oh, I don't believe I'm worthy of a relationship of my dreams. I don't believe that I'm worthy of a man who will fully choose me. Therefore, you know, this is, this is the reality that reflects. This is the reality that she experiences because that's her beliefs. It's, it's really simple. It's like you just have to look at your reality to see what kind of beliefs you hold about reality because your beliefs hold, create your reality. So it's not the man. It's not the relationship. It's not, it's not the external situation ever. It's what you believe. So it's th- that person, that man that you attract, he's just he's a gift to you because he shows you exactly who you are, exactly what you think. And this, you mean um, like using the person as a mirror is what you're getting at here, right? Yeah, exactly. And just, just to take responsibility for your reality. You know, so many women, they, th- that's what, when you shame and blame and judge and point your finger, you give your power away. So I Could you give me an example of that? Like where you would shame and blame and point a finger? You mean an example like in the relationship you mean? Like to say it's his fault or... Oh, well, he's a narcissist. He's a fuckboy. He's unavailable. He's not doing what I want. He's, he's not treating me right. He's not, he's not, you, 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 you. And he's, and I'm, I'm perfect. I'm the perfect woman and I do nothing wrong. Like, come on, be real, be real. <laughs> now, just to play a little bit devil's advocate here, is there a danger in what you do? Like, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't that, if people were to listen to that fully and then end up with a real narcissistic kind of wife yes. beater or, 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 you know, there's, there's that kind of danger then. How do you mitigate that? Yes. Well, it's it, obviously life is dangerous. Life yeah. is dangerous. And I, and I, you know, I would, I would say like, if you have no tools, if you have no knowledge, if you have no guidance, better not go there. Better not go. Better just do your work and remove yourself from the situation and really do your inner work. You know, because it, it's that kind of relationship is risky. It's fiery. You know, it can burn you. It can burn as hell. You know, this is the kind of this is what twin, this twin flame thing is all about. You know, when people say, "Oh, I've met my twin flame. This is it. This is mm. it." I don't. I don't believe in this whole twin flame thing. But Me you know, people, yeah. Yeah, and I've been asked about it a few times. I had some people reach out to me uh, as a product of my work and ask about, you know, is this person my twin flame? And I, you know, from the way I see it, we are the soul in communion with the soul. There's one of us here. And so <laughs> there can't be one particular other for, for me because all yes. is for me, all yes. is for you. It's all one. Yes. So, yeah. so how can you have a specific person? Like behind yeah, the eyes of every being is the soul. It's just like compatibility, like how compatible am I with this person in this area and with that person in that area? And, you know, the thing is, very often women confuse sexual attraction with love. So they feel really like this connection that I talk about, women are passionately attracted to that man. 
and they just want him. But you know, it's 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 passionate attraction. It's not it's not other things. You know, <laughs> like there can be love. It can it's you know it can be it can be very loving, but you know, just because you're attracted to someone sexually doesn't mean that he's the right person for a relationship. It just, it literally just means you have a good sexual chemistry and you can, mm. you can explore it. If you, if you, if you can handle it, if you can handle just sex with, you know, with no strings, perfect. If not, remove yourself. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of contextualize this as well and, and frame it a bit, <laughs> bit more, I guess what you're dealing with, like in modern society today, relationships are well i mean a lot of relationships seem to start in the bar in the nightclub and these kind of places which are really not conducive to very good relationships in my opinion you know but but i mean what is the state of affairs as you see it in the kind of the modern day i mean online now is growing but w- mm. what do you feel there's a problem with the way we meet or, or, or how we meet others and, and and how how do we find the people that we we want in our lives i mean how, how, what would your advice to people be on that? Mm. Well, I the thing is, I don't think it's a problem of how we meet. I mean, we just have to adjust to to how the way and evolves. You know, nowadays it's very much about online dating, so it's fine. You know, it's 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 okay. It's no, there's no problem in that. It's just learning how to be with that, how to be with the with the new way, how to be with the technology and how to connect with somebody over over text. You know, it's for me it's it's not even about how how we meet others, how what we use to meet others. It's, it's just about how well do you know yourself? Mm. You know, how well do you know yourself and how well do you know what you want? Because when you know yourself and when you know what you want, what and who you want in your life, then dating is so simple. You just go on the app, yes, no, yes, no, and <laughs> it just <laughs> happens. <laughs> now, um, I, I don't know if you've... Like, I was thinking today about this, this conversation and what we're going to talk about. I was looking mm-hmm. at my own life and I thought, has nature tricked me? You know, like I've got a little boy who's two and a half and I look back he's at my so life. Gorgeous. Yeah, he's cute now. And uh, I look back at my life, I thought, God, nature nature is this weird thing like the soul incarnates into male and female and the whole thing is like finding love and procreating to make another one of you know this replication of of humans through through time and it's such a powerful force that i think i think is a man like even if you fight against it it's the whole peter pan thing like I think we're all kind of like Peter Pan and the woman is kind of like Wendy and you've got your Tinkerbells on the side, you know, like, yeah, for me, it's like the archetypal story of Peter Pan and Peter just wants to live in Never Neverland with the Lost Boys because Peter's king of the Lost Boys. He never has to grow up there. So that's the same as like, you know, friend hanging out with your friends in the nightclub, never wanting to commit. And Wendy comes along this kind of sweet, innocent one and kind of tries to bring him into the real world. And uh, all the while he's got Tinkerbell and poor Tinkerbell just gets thrown to the side all the time. You know, she's, she's the woman that's always after the unavailable man. And so mm. it's, it's a, it, that kind of archetypal story seems to be what's going on in nature. I mean, do you look deeply into that? What, what is our nature? What is going on here? These po- powerful forces between male and female, man and woman. Mm. Yeah. So my, yeah, my worldview is that, Okay, this might be controversial, but hey ho. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we're here. <laughs> so my understanding is that about ninety-five percent of men are polyamorous, and human 
beings, human species are polyamorous. We, we love multiple people at different times. It's like, it's like telling a mother, it's like you have a mother and, and she has three kids. It's, it's not that she just loves one only. She loves all, all her kids. She loves the father. She loves her mother, father. She loves many people. So why would it be that we only love, romantically love one person? It just does not make sense to me. It just doesn't. Yeah, so I mean, is, yeah, it's, it, it doesn't seem so controversial uh, to, to me, I, I don't think. Yeah. But if we look at primates, like the way gorillas, we're 99.9% the same as chimpanzees and gorillas, and, mm -hmm. and they're, they're polyamorous too, right? It seems like a, socio, like a sociological construct, the idea of, of commitment uh, long-term, yeah. certainly a religious and, one. And the thing is, um, I can be deeply committed to multiple men. And I know that a man can be deeply committed to multiple women in different ways. It's just that we have this idea of um, marriage being the only way and the only right way to have a relationship. And yeah, of, of course it has its benefits. It serves the society, but it doesn't have to be so rigid. It doesn't have to be so limiting. You know, like I, my ideal situation would be yeah, to have a husband, have a family and be open. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But how, how is, it, is it practical and how, how is it practical? I mean, what, what kind of steps does one have to take to make that practical? So the thing is, it's better always, it's always better to prepare ahead. If this is, if this is what you want, if this, if an open, whatever openness you, is, is what you want, then it's always better to prepare ahead. Like it, it's more difficult to open up once you are in a relationship. Right, it's possible, but it, it, it takes a lot of work. So, for me, it's like I know what I want, so I'm already changing my mind and changing my mindset in order to be ready to, to, to hold that kind of experience. Because, like, freedom to me is the ultimate um, um, value of mine. I will not compromise on my freedom, I will not have anyone box me or or take a, or you know have me um, small you know like I, for me as a woman i love to be free and i love to express wh however i however it feels right in the moment and this is so common for for human beings we all want freedom we all want freedom this is this is like human nature to be free so to to box us in it just feels really inhumane yeah, I, I, you know, I see it not so, I, no, I don't have much experience with relationships, but certainly from a psychological perspective, when we have relationships with family or friends for long periods of time, we, we behave in certain roles, like we play our roles in work and we play our roles with certain friends and uh, we, we kind of become who we want the other one to think we are and mm. they see who they think we are. But of, across mm. time, of course, we change and you're no longer that person. You can slip back into that ego identity and you can play in that role. And depending on how, how much kind of, well, I'd say entheogenic work you've done, but how much work you've done uh, psychologically as to how much you realize what's going on and how many characters you actually play in one, <laughs> in one mm. body. And mm. so I guess that's the same in, in, in a relationship. When you said being boxed in, you, you're not kind of boxed in physically. It's, 
It's yeah. a mental psychological construct. You must yes. behave how I expect you to behave, how you yes. should behave. Yes. And, and that's, that's pressure. I have those feelings mm -hmm. too of if I ever feel that I have to act in a certain way, I'll be told what to do. I'm like, fuck you. I'm out of here. You know, I'm, I'm, I got to break out, break free. And uh, so is that, is that what you kind of, you're talking about? Yeah. And it, this is true for everyone, really. Like most of the people will say, oh, I want to be free. Like most of the people who are at a job they don't like, I want to be free. You know, maybe they don't say it in those words, but this is what they see. Freedom. Freedom yeah. to really be who they are. Mm. And, and the, the spiritual traditions, Hinduism, talk about moksha, which is just another term from freedom. Enlightenment yes. is an idea of freedom. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it's all an idea of freedom from what? Freedom mm. from the, the, re, the mm. cycle of rebirth, freedom from karma. It's a, mm -hmm. all, all, all teachings are kind of pointing to that, right? And, yeah, 100%. And, and the thing is, like, I'm, you know, if anyone, any of the listeners are monogamous, like, I'm totally not bashing. Like, monogamy is a path, is one of the paths to liberation. You can totally use that to to gain freedom you know there's so much freedom to be gained in in a sealed container but most of the people don't use it correctly and, and again like most of the people don't use polyamory correctly because it's just kind of this new thing and it's like bambi legs and nobody really knows what they're doing and <laughs> messy and you know people watch whatever it's just it, it's messy but this it, human relationships are messy so the only the only like there's not just like one correct path there's not only one correct way you know in in sanatan dharma there's there's it's it's the big river that, that you know all the different paths come to mm -hmm. and all the paths lead to the same to the same destination so it, it there's no need to to judge or shame other ways because always are correct it's just how deep how deep will you go how how much will you commit to to what you want to that freedom mm. which is the ultimate goal yeah, that's beautiful. And, and I did, I read that in, in your work too, the nuance that's there. You're not saying, hey, this is the way you should do it. Like monogamy's out. Um, you, you, there's a lot of nuance there. And I, I did, I, you're very open-minded and nuanced. And I really like that. Like all rivers mm -hmm. coming down the mm -hmm. mountain are flowing to the mm -hmm. ocean ultimately, yeah. you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. just using, using whatever we're doing as a tool, whatever exactly. it is. Yeah. exactly it's all for growth everything mm. is for growth as long as you use every single freaking opportunity to grow and to, to move forward you're doing the right thing whatever it is whatever it is so i think uh, a good question here would be how do we then you you know we are we are we are one we are a oneness but when we come into form we are half in many ways we're half of a yin and yang and so it is our natural human tendency to seek another half. And, and when we find that, we feel somewhat complete, temporarily at least. Mm -hmm. And so when you kind of maintain that freedom you're talking about, how do we deal with that uh, missing, missing part? How do we deal with that, what we might call as loneliness and experiences of, of loneliness? Uh, do, you hear, do you hear that question or is, is it a little bit Yeah, too... I don't understand the question. Can you, can you so, repeat it? So, you know, we talk about f the idea of freedom and, and, and mm -hmm. polyamory, but when you have a relationship, a long, a long-term relationship where you mm -hmm. build with somebody, it, it can, it's like a life partner. I mean, it, when you're kind mm -hmm. of just free all the time and maybe other people don't want to be free with you, you can suffer from mm -hmm. some loneliness. Like, I, are you, in, are you in a relationship at the moment or do you? I am seeing you, somebody. Yeah. I right. am seeing somebody. So, yeah. and, and, but I, I guess that some people do feel very lonely though. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Maybe there's not many in options. In a polyamorous yeah. setting. Yeah, polyamorous, uh, in a polyamorous setting, or maybe somebody who doesn't have many options and has met mm. a person that wants to be polyamorous, you know, they ain't got a lot to choose from for whatever mm. reason. Uh, you know, how they, they got to deal with that loneliness too, right? There's a part of us yeah. that wants attachment, wants, wants yeah. long-term, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the solution is to cultivate multiple relationships and not just romantic, multiple relationships, have friends, have connections, have, you know, same sex friendships, have opposite sex friendships, just have people in your life. We are, we are like communal beings, we're social beings. So that's what we need. And it's, it's, to me, it's ridiculous and silly that people put all of their social needs on one person. That's never going to work. It's too much pressure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It is when you frame it like that. It's quite, uh, quite obvious, isn't it? Yeah. And that's what happens. You know, people get into a relationship and they just abandon all their friends and forget about family because this feels so amazing right now. But when you, when you put all of yourself into just that, that tiny little container, like it's, it's going to explode. It's not, it's not going to be able to hold all, all of that intensity. What is your advice for couples that one of them wants to be polyamorous and the other one wants to be monogamous? Lots and lots and lots of communication. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's it. it. Because if you, it depends, you know, depends on what, what is wanted depends on their objective. Like if they want to remain together, then, you know, the one person has to make peace and it's all really, it's all spiritual growth. It's all spiritual growth. How, how loving can you remain? And is it, you know, if you are in a relationship with somebody and you love them and they want something, something other than you or someone other than you, can you still love that person? Or is, that, is your love so conditional that, that, that you can only love them if, you know? Mm. If, I'm, if I am uh, in a relationship with somebody, then I strive to accept them as they are. I'm not, I'm, I don't get into a relationship with somebody to change them or to make them, to, to ch- for them to change to make me happy. No, you do what, you're, what you want to do and be happy and I will do my best to accept you. And if I cannot accept you, then thank you. Let's move on. I'll move on. Yeah. yeah you, you, you talk a, a lot about the acceptance of these, these male traits of wanting to, you know, still go out and party or to, to be polyamorous. I mean, it's quite idealistic though, isn't it? Like mm. you'd have to have two people in a very high level of conscious awareness, a very mm. high states of, 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 of understanding to, to really get this right if it ever does go right. And I don't know, have, have you found examples where polyamory has gone the right way over long, a long yeah. periods of time? Yeah. Yeah. Plenty, plenty, plenty. So I am with this school. They're called um, Progressive Love Academy. They're yeah. Incredible. I don't know if, if, if you've heard of them. But yeah, they're, they're, I'll put a link in the description. Definitely do. They're incredible. They've created a whole school, you know, of, yeah, it's Progressive Love Academy. That's exactly what it is. And so they teach, you know, they, I don't know how long the, the, the main couple who founded, who founded it were married, but they were married for many years and they, they've opened up. Now the woman, she has two husbands, the, the man has many girlfriends and it works. It works, you know, and I'm, it's not the only example that I see, but I see, I see a lot of polyamory done right. But again, you need the tools and you need the understanding and you, you need the main thing that you need in life, in relationship is 
the ability to and the willingness to grow to use everything for growth if you don't have that you just you, you better you just stay where you are and be happy with where you are <laughs> <laughs> now you know also just to play some devil's advocate here is you know when Love we bring it. when we bring kids it would be an interesting discussion if i didn't mm. just sit here and mm. agree on everything but um you know, when we bring kids into the equation, mm -hmm. what, what we see from the psychological literature is that fatherless homes um, uh, lead to higher cases of crime, higher cases of male suicide, mm -hmm. uh, higher cases of uh, even, I think, you know, incarceration is there and, and drug use is there and poor, poorer grades in school, fatherless homes. And so mm -hmm. couldn't, couldn't polyamory lead to that situation if there was kids involved? You know, what, what are your thoughts? Well, if it's, if it's true polyamory, then, then the kid has two fathers, three fathers, four fathers. That's amazing. It's a whole village. So it's not just one person. It's, it's many perspectives that will inform the children. And it's a community. It's like a communal way of living. Especially when it's like kitchen table polyamory, you know, everybody does it differently and everybody has different ways of doing things. But if people are doing it correctly and if people are doing it with love, the, the thing is, you can do anything the fuck you want as long as you do it with love. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's it. As long as you do it lovingly and you communicate and you, you know, you don't like make a drama and, and mess, like that's all children need, that stability of love and peace. But then whatever, you, whatever your mm, like external situation looks like, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. You know, you, t you touched on something there, this idea of community. And we know that in many tribal cultures, children are raised in kind of this community setting. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was Terence McKenna that spoke about um, pay in the pagan days. Basically, people used to just get together, take mushrooms and have orgies. And this was a normal, a normal, a normal mm -hmm. thing, you know, like I, I guess in the hippie in the hippie days in the 60s as well, it was all about the orgies. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what is your view on that? On like uh, group orgiastic um, communities? I mean, do you have a view on it? Have you thought about it? Again, if it's done with proper guidance, with good intentions, with love, I've got nothing against it. But yeah, there is a lot of shadow. There is a lot of shadow. And that's, that's partly the reason that this is happening to to see the shadow, to, to heal the shadow, to release the shadow. So yeah, whatever, like, I'm not really into that, but if people are, that's perfect. You know, it's, it's again, like for me, everything, everything is for growth. Everything, everything that happens is an opportunity to become more, to become more yeah. loving. Oh, yeah. I, I don't like that. Oh, I'm judging that. Oh, how, why am I judging that? Oh, okay. Maybe because of this and that. Oh, okay. How can I love that? And it's just becoming more love, more love, more love, more love. Everything's an opportunity for more love. Beautiful. No, it's mm -hmm. fantastic. And, and it's uh, very much uh, how I live as well. It just, if you're just finding, I was just in the airport flying from Dubai to Bangkok, you know, in this long queue, people all over the floor with the papers and, and I can feel inside myself. It's like, my documents are ready. You know, why should I have to wait? I need to go to the front of this queue, you know, but just watching that inside yourself and realizing what is that? You know, why, why does it make any difference? Everyone's getting on the plane. Like mm -hmm. and we just, it doesn't matter how enlightened you may think you are, things get to you, like things piss you off, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, mm -hmm. um, 
there, there was a phase in my growth where I swanned around uh, pretending that I was enlightened because I actually thought I was. Uh, you know, <laughs> nothing, can, nothing can get to me. You know, I've, I've, I've worked it all out. I've, I've done the LSD. I've traveled India. Um, I've met the gurus and the yogis. I can meditate for hours. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but but I, was, I was pushing away those, those signs that you're talking about, those yeah. signs that you can grow further from because the growth never yeah. ends, right? Exactly, exactly. And it, it really doesn't. It's like there's, well, I mean, I'm not enlightened. And I, I, I mean, I've met enlightened people, right, but I don't know what, what their experience is. But for me, it seems like there's always growth because that's the nature of the universe. So there's always more growth possible. So it's not that you just get somewhere and you're like, okay, that's it. I'm done. I can just sit, sit and relax now. Like, no, it's like you just continue doing the work always. And that's the thing. Like people need to be comfortable with that, with the fact that, you know, the work is never finished. And so once you reach something like you again, again, there's a, there's a space between you and your desire. And again, you're, you're feeling like you're not enough. So it, there's always going to be that feeling of, oh, I'm not enough. I'm quite, I'm not quite, I've achieved this, but it, it doesn't satisfy me. So that's, that's just like this engine of life. So it's just to be okay with it. It's just to be really okay with it. That's beautiful. And it reminded me when you spoke about it of what physicists now say about the universe, that it's ever expanding into, into just anything that's, it's always growing. Yes. So we, we yes. can never get there, right? It's, exactly. Uh... Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to ask about other women and the reception of your work from other women, because I imagine there's two sides to it. Um, there usually is two sides to about everything, the yin and yang. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I, I, how do women come, you know, respond to your work, both positively and sometimes negatively? And how do you mitigate mm-hmm. it? Um, yeah, so I trigger people a lot. I trigger people a lot and I really don't mean to, I really don't, I really, it's not my intention at all, but I mean, just the stuff that I post is triggery because it's true, you know, it's true. And truth is sometimes, and the thing is, you know, I'm not saying here that I'm perfect, but I, you know, I get triggered by people as well. But so there's like, there are two camps. Some, some women, they really love it because they really, they're just tired of bullshit. You know, there's just so much bullshit out there and they're just like, wow, thank you for saying it so clearly and without any like fluff, just give it to me straight. And there are w- women who are really triggered. Could and you please, I- could you give us an example of something that you'd say and somebody would support uh, or, and, and something you would say and maybe somebody would be triggered by? Hmm. Well, yeah, one of the main big things that people, people get triggered about is unconditional acceptance. So this is what I preach and practice, unconditional acceptance. If I have chosen a man and I trust in myself, I trust in my choice. I trust that I've chosen this man because he has something for me. I have something for him. Therefore, if I've chosen somebody and I want them in my life, I just I practice acceptance, unconditional acceptance of whoever you are, however you are, I accept you, even if I don't like it, especially when I don't like it, because that then gives me, that's an opportunity for me to see what is he mirroring to me? Am I like this? Or is it my potential? Or, you know, sometimes one time, one time I got really triggered because um, the man I'm seeing, he said something. Yeah, I got emotionally upset about something. Okay, he said something. I got I got an emotional response. I was like, "Ouch, you're hurting me." That what you said hurt me. And he said, well, "I don't care. Deal with it." And I was like, oh, 
it's true, but he, he really didn't care. And, you know, and then I had to, to sit with myself. Like I didn't attack him and say, oh, you're such an asshole. You don't care. Blah, blah, blah. No, I just, okay. I, I removed myself from the situation and I, I, I reflect like, okay, why, why did that hurt me so much? Oh, because I'm like that as well. I don't care about people's feelings. You know, some, sometimes I don't, sometimes I just say it like it is and I don't care, deal with it. It's your, it's your world, it's your response. But then, you know, that teaches me, I, okay, that's kind of how it feels to people sometimes. So I can be a little bit softer if I want, or if I don't, I, I can stay as I am and accept myself as I am. And therefore people will accept me as I am as well. It's tricky, right? It's tricky. <laughs> There's a lot of, it's uh, when you get into it, uh, to try and navigate when we're looking at ourselves that deeply and try and, and try and navigating it, looking at people as a mirror. It mm. is shadow work. It is, yeah. it is facing the dark side of ourselves. And, mm. you know, I, I talk a lot about entheogens uh, on the podcast, but there are many, many ways to face our own shadow. We just see yeah. what's destructive in our life. See what, yeah. you know, I guess the sign of is, is see where you, you, your unhappiness lies and, and follow, follow your bliss and follow acts that are full of love. Like you say, that, that are manifesting love, manifesting mm. happiness and to see what, what behaviors are not manifesting love and, and acceptance yeah. and happiness. Right. Yeah. And really question everything, question everything. But for that, you need quiet space you need a quiet mind you need to remove yourself from the trigger you need to remove yourself from the world and just be with yourself and really think about things because if you don't like it, it nothing will change and nothing nobody can do that work for you no guru no teacher no master nobody no technique like not it's nobody's going to do it for you i can show you how i can give you the tools i can guide you but you have to do the work you have to sit with yourself and think like why am i like this why is this my reality how why am i creating this how am i creating this it's so important because if if that work isn't done then the pattern repeats and nothing changes now, you know, this idea of creating our own reality, it's something that I've been uh, kind of battling with a little bit quite recently. So it's funny that you touched upon it. I was just having a conversation with a friend about this the other day. Uh, from the non-duality perspective, from God, from the source, from non-duality, from, from, from the point of non the non-manifested soul, there it seems to me that there is no um, no kind of, choice and, and we can create our reality but within duality within this life that we live it seems that we do have certain choices in in life and about this creating our own reality what do we say about the woman that is raped in the war zone she clearly doesn't create her own reality in this situation but that's happening to her out of choice so it's like where do we draw the line of we create our own reality and we don't create our own reality because there has to be accountability right there has to be, are you with me? Like, and it's, yeah, for me, I'm, strugg I'm struggling with it because I know that I create a lot of my own reality. Mm. But I'm also mm. like looking around thinking, well, that guy on the street doesn't, you know, sleeping on the street doesn't create his own reality. It's a, it's a product of circumstance and mm -hmm. injustice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the thing you mentioned about, about sexual abuse, this is, this is actually what I wanted to, to speak about and share because yeah, but I've kind of, I've waited because it's going to trigger a lot of people. And so, yeah, I have experience of sexual abuse as a child. And until very recently, I was in this, um, in this view of what well, I was a victim. He was a villain. He did something to me. 
but but since I started to really own my reality, to really take full 100%, 360 degrees ownership of my crea- creation, I actually saw things in a different perspective. I saw my part in that, in what happened. So it wasn't just him. I was, <laughs> I was, in, that, I was in that as well, you know? I participated in it. And, you know, I, I want, I wanted to feel like a victim because, you know, it was somehow um, serving me, but now it's not serving me anymore. And I, and now I can see that I co-created that and I created that and that happened so that now I know how to relate to others who have similar experiences so that I can master sexuality because my boundaries were crossed. Right. So I take ownership of that experience. Yes, I have created it. Yes, you know, my soul asked for that because now I, I've, I know what it feels like and I know how to deal with my sexual energy. I know how to heal and I know what to do with it, you know, and I'm, I, that happens so that I can master it and I can share it and I can teach it to others. So it's never that I'm a poor victim. It's never that. When you see things, when you have this like growth mindset, you can see everything, even what happened in the past, like, okay, that, that happened, that was really shitty. But what did it teach me? And why did it happen? Oh, okay, maybe it happened. So I know, I know how to have empathy. And I know how to how to help others with it. So it's like this victim villain thing. It's not my reality. But if somebody wants to be a victim or a villain, okay. I think like from, for, I get it. I, I certainly do get it. And and there are so many levels to God to me. There's so many levels to this. Like mm. it, God, in, in my opinion, God's playing all the roles, both victim and perpetrator. So, exactly. Within, yes. w- within duality. And, and from my insights, it is as such that it's like the source would say, look, I'm sorry for evil, but I could never have given you free choice if I didn't give you evil because I could only ever give you good. And if you only have a good, be no, there's no free, free will. There's no movement there for, for anything to happen. So you require evil as a necessary pre- prerequisite for being. However, exactly. however, the, in your story is one thing, but the, the three-year-old girl that has no complicity, who is raped and killed, you know, I, I, it's so troubling for me because I can yeah. see why, why it happens. Like, because it's the pain of the self, not knowing of the self that causes us to go and do things like that. It's we don't know we're God. We don't, and we mm-hmm. don't know we're killing God and raping mm-hmm. God. We mm-hmm. don't know we are the universe. And it's that that pain what happened to us and it's passed from generation to generation this karma and it's so hard but but then i have to i can't let go that there's some accountability there you know even though it is mm-hmm. God with god mm-hmm. for me there has of to course, be some yes. accountability i mean you're a man you take accountability you take responsibility it's natural and of, obviously it's it's wrong you know it's the thing is like right and wrong like it, it it doesn't have to happen you know there can be there can be an intervention there can be education so we can't change things Right. And we are here to change things. So, yeah, it's really sad. You know, it's really sad things like that happen, but they happen. And so then we have an opportunity to react to it and see what we what we can do about it. Yeah, it, it, it feels to me that we're, we're all kind of here to shine the light onto the darkness of our individual mm. souls. And it seems to be happening on a collective level as well. Yeah. Certainly I have had very deep experiences going into causal level reality, into deep meditations uh, through certain methods. 
and seeing that there's a lot of darkness and pain there. Like some might even call it Dante Alighieri's Inferno. It's like hell. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it is this, this weird thing. It's like we're here to eliminate it in some way. And um, is, is that what you're doing with women as well? You, you did mention before you were bringing the masculine in and kind mm -hmm. of helping them deal with the shadow. I mean, what's the dynamic there? How does, how does it work? It's just embracing more masculine qualities. I don't, I don't believe that the darkness is to be eliminated because the darkness is the feminine. Yeah. I mean, and if she, you eliminated it all, there's no being again. You're yeah, back to pure and, love. Yeah, she's the fabric of the universe. She's the, the dark womb, you know? Kali. And it's messy and, and, and bloody and chaotic and there's blood and pain and, and fear and all of that stuff. And it's part of life. It's part of the fabric of life. Like you say, if it was removed, you know, then it would just be heaven and it would be boring. <laughs> We'll be back to where we started. Well, God knows. God knows. I don't know where we started. <laughs> um, I, I, I hear you. And I think like the dynamics of duality are set up, but you require both sides of the coin in order to be. So mm. you require the darkness and the evil. However, it does seem that the transcendence of our own shadow or the transcendence of some of the darkness within us leads to more stable, equanimous, harmonious lives that are more mm. in the pursuit of like love and, and freedom, acceptance, truth, um, these kind of qualities, mm. honesty, than, than not dealing with that shadow part, not yeah. integrating it is the better word to yeah. eliminating. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're yeah. talking about integration, integration yeah. of the shadow. Yeah. And the thing is the shadow is, is not bad. It's not wrong. It's, it's the shadow is almost just like a container for all the things that we've pushed away, all the pain, all the, all the fear, all, all the, even the potential, all of our potential. And, you know, it's, it's that that we have to deal with, not the shadow. The shadow's done nothing wrong. The shadow is just there. It's like the sun shines and there's a shadow and it's just all that stuff that we have pushed, pushed in there. That's what, that's what hurts. That's what the pain is. That's what we have to deal with. Yeah. And um, so when people work with you, like if there's anybody listening that would want to, you know, get in touch with you and whatnot, like what, what is it you're actually doing in the session? Is it a counseling thing? Is it a therapy thing? Have you got practical exercises? What is it you actually mm. do with people? Yeah, I, I, have, I have lots of practical exercises. A lot of it is mindset work, you know? A lot of it is we go into those beliefs and really go down to the root and then change it. And we go there with love. And when you go, when you go, go there with love, like it can be changed instantly and you get a new perspective and you see things in a more loving way. And that's all, that's all is ne that's necessary. So, you know, if somebody has a trauma, has it, somebody has a sexual abuse or um, history or something, then we go there and we, we see it from a larger perspective and we frame it in a way that feels good. Because that's, that's all it is. You know, what happened in the past is a story. And the story that you make around it is what defines you as a person. Yeah. What then creates your reality. Oh, I was, I was abused and oh, I was hurt. And now the world is a scary place and I need to protect myself. You know, it's it, the story that you create that defines your reality. So that's what we do. We just go back and change the story.
and also, you know, it's it's not just shadow work that I do. That's a big part of it. But also, we do light work. <laughs> you know, what's your purpose here? What are you here to create? What's what's your dream? What your passion? What your goals? And are you finding in your work with people any kind of commonalities, like any any things that that crop up quite a lot uh, with people? I mean, what is the main issue people come to you with? So uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of women at the moment. I'm kind of like niching down, <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah, I'm choosing to work with women who are attracted to a man that's unavailable in so in one way or an, or another. Yeah, and we're just working on her belief system. Why does she Why does she believe she cannot have what she wants? Because a lot of women do. A lot of women don't believe that they can have what they want. So we just go and dismantle those beliefs and make her believe and know that she is deserving of everything that she wants because she is inherently as a human being. We, we all are. It's just getting that belief drilled in so that it becomes her reality. And then, and then the man chases her and then the money chases her and then everything just runs after her because she's so freaking radiant and beautiful and gorgeous. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Now, I just wanted to touch on as one of the final questions with you today is, and it's quite a big one. So there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of juice in it. Ooh. Now, you know, on this podcast, I never really talk politics. You know, I, I, mm. I believe that politics is a form of virus. It's like a, a political possession. I think it's like an mm. archetypal structure that comes up from the collective unconscious and grabs you. And you end up on mm. one side of a debate where we need to hold both sides at the same time in order to, to really understand. Now, what's quite topical at the moment, we have a lot of polarities going on at the moment, a lot of through this COVID situation and whatnot. In Thailand now, there's riots on two sides of a political agenda. We know about the USA. We know about all this mm. political stuff. Mm. And mm. it seems like it's a war of polarities. It's a process of birth, in my opinion, the birth of the, the soul into form. But, but one of those polarities is men and women. And, yeah. and, and this kind of I think there's, there's man hating, there's woman hating, there's, she's a Karen, there's, he's just an egotistical prick, you know, like he's Trump, is, 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 there's this war of the genders, uh, war of the sexes. And so, I mean, what's your view on it? What, what do you think's going on? And uh, yeah, I mean, what, what's, your, what's your view on that? You think it's happening? Yeah, that's exactly what's going on. It's a war, it's a war. And until, uh, until people learn how to surrender, there, there is going to be war. So what the world needs is more feminine, more yielding. Okay, okay, baby, okay, okay, you say that, okay, okay. Right, just, just to like, let them have their say. You don't have to argue against it. You don't have to bring resistance. You don't have to bring your weapons and fight them. It's like, you can just let things be. And it doesn't, like, th that's what, that's a lot of it is, yeah, why I teach to women, because that obviously reflects in the collective and in the personal, in the, in the um, your relationship of in a feminine and in a masculine so it's just to for women to learn how to be feminine how to just accept somebody and accept their opinion and accept them with whatever and whoever whatever they ex express just okay yeah i love you still even if i don't agree with you i'm not going to fight you but you know let's just leave it as, as it is you know you know, I, I, it's funny that you said uh, the, the women kind of be, be more feminine. I mean, 
one thing that I see and a lot of, you know, YouTube is a very male place. More men use YouTube than women do. Um, it's about, it's about 85% or 90% men on YouTube. Yeah. So it is interesting to have a woman comment on this. Uh, it's like, what I see now a lot, a lot of people are following this guy called Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist from Canada. And he's talking a lot about like male suicide rates being a lot higher than females, males not performing in school as much. Um, and this kind of crisis of masculine, I don't want to say masculinity because we're not, we're not talking about masculine and feminine. We're talking about male and female here, I think. And there's a crisis going on there. I mean, what's, what's your, your view on it? And uh, do, do you see it or do you feel this crisis on both sides? Do you, how, do you think it's in balance or, or what's happened to us? Yeah, it's definitely on both sides. So the big thing is, yeah, women are becoming, acting out from their masculine energy. And then that pushes men into their feminine energy. And then, so the man has a choice, you know, the man can almost submit or he can uh, increase his masculine energy and say, look, baby, like you're, you're, you're not being fair. You're not acting out. You're not thinking straight. So let's, let's have a conversation. And yeah, a lot. Thing is, it's like systemic, systematical, systemic damage. You know, the way we, the way we, we're being brought up and conditioned is just really unhealthy. It's really unhealthy. So men are just trained to not be men because the masculine expression is not, is not welcomed. It's just not welcomed. So there is, it's not like that there's a, it's not the problem of patriarchy. It's just, you know, there's no mask. There is no patriarchy. That's controversial <laughs> for a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> because, you not know, patriarchy would be uh, the man the man of the house the man who rules right but there's no like it's like really sick masculine energy and it's like egotistical kind of ramblings of a child it's not it's not a man so it's not patriarchy true patriarchy to me would be a man who's in, in, in integrity with values oh my my computer might die in a sec um and <laughs> Yes, isn't 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 it right? Isn't it right? So if yeah, yeah. I agree. We have like the little boy uh, syndrome, the little boy on the stool, stool syndrome. The, the exactly. So what boy. we need, we, we do need patriarchy. Actually, we do. Yeah, Robert Moore wrote a great book. Uh, I think it was called something of the dragon taming the dragon. It's about men integrating all these these emotions and feelings and becoming growing up. It's just that evolution of, of manhood. I think you're right. We need to move mm. from boyhood to manhood, and that might be yeah. A, a fix. And it's the same for women. Yeah. Women need to grow up and be women, not little girls who can't control their emotions and can't control their perceptions. Yeah. Well, I mean, as your battery uh, may go, we'll, I mm. think we will uh, wrap it up just so we're, we're in good time. Uh, but it, it has been a pleasure talking with you, Roxana. And I think we'll probably do it again because there's, yes. there's certain things there that we could have definitely dived into. So we'll see if there's any comment there, if anybody would like us to ask any questions for next time. But let's uh -huh. uh, stay in touch on Facebook. If people want to know, find out more about you, where can they go? Uh, find me on Facebook, Roxana Brostek. Um, yeah, if you just type in my name, because it's difficult to spell, you know. Um, Roxana Brostek or Roxana Intuitive, Roxana.intuitive on Facebook or Instagram. 
Perfect. Well, you keep on with the writing. Uh, I'm loving it. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to reading what comes next. So yeah, I uh, welcome everyone to come and come and look at my what I share. <laughs> <laughs> and either love it, love it or hate it. It's my mind. Love so. it or hate it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Roxana. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Take it was care. a pleasure. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>